0: welcome home so as most people know we are one of the five most haunted bars in the entire country welcome to shakers we can't do tours if we don't have tour guides we do do a lot of tours and we have two of our best tour guides here tonight we have liz and we have michaela hello everybody and we'll talk about some of our experiences on the shakers ghost tours and just maybe ghosts overall so who wants to begin (laughs) i <laughs> <How about>
1: it. <laughs> well, where to start? This could start at the beginning of my experience at Shakers. Uh, I was fortunate enough to come in on one of the lovely first Thursdays of the month where we have our Shakers band here, the lovely Mr. Pinkerton and his amazing orchestra. Or the Rebel, relevant orchestra, I believe they're called. But they're still amazing. Now, I came to check them out and absolutely fell in love with this building and asked if they were hiring. Somewhere along that process I was also informed that this building was haunted and I asked where is my application <laughs> because that's amazing. Um, one of the first tours that I had with one of our other guides, Michelle, was kind of like an introductory to the building and while we were down there, like the first real experience I had with the building was with this safe that's downstairs and if you've been on one of the tours and you know exactly what safe I'm talking about and of course, I was told that many people have tried, but no one's been able to get it open. Naturally, I had to try, because I'm curious, and messed with it for a little while, just playing around, not really paying attention to the numbers, but just, you know, messing with the safe. It's about 140 years old, somewhere in there, give or take. And as I went to put my hand on the handle for the safe, I felt a hot breath lean over the left side of my neck, and a man's voice yelled, no, into my ear. Now at the time there was only me and two other women down in the basement and both of them were standing to my right. I snapped around and there's nobody with an eyesight anywhere down there except for the three of us. So I very really quickly stood up and to this day I don't really touch the safe. <laughs> I was told no and I'm going to listen. Yeah,
2: um, I think one of my most memorable experiences experiences actually happened upstairs, the complete opposite of her basement story. Um, So we all know that the penthouse is indeed haunted, um, and if you've been on the tour, you also know um, the story of what went on up there. But I was up there, and it was... Halloween day, actually, um, two Halloweens ago now, and I was the only one in the whole building at this time. It was late afternoon, and we had done some filming in the morning, so I was just kind of hanging around before my shift that night. And I was up in the penthouse bathroom, which is renovated and all that, and I was doing my makeup up there, just looking, listening to music, everything, um, getting ready, and I hear the doorknob. So I turn around, and the doorknob's not wiggling, it's completely turning from side to side. Um, And I don't think anything of it at first. I'm like, whatever, just out of sight, out of mind, keep doing what I'm doing until I hear the doorknob again. And then a second time, I see this doorknob turning completely from side to side. So I wait another minute and I go out of the bathroom, no one, nothing around. I come downstairs, sure enough, all the doors are locked. I'm still the only person in this whole building. Um, So I would not call myself as a skeptic by any means, but when I see or hear things, I instantly try to find the logic in it. But when you're the only human in this whole building and stuff moves, you hear things, you see things, that's pretty hard to um, invalidate at that point. So that was probably one of the most um, alarming experiences that stuck with me to this day.
0: We like to have everybody who works here, the myriad people over the course of time, spend a night in the penthouse. The beautiful thing about that is that only about 10% of the people that subscribe to spend the night for clients who come in actually make it the entire night unless you're well-medicated. That doesn't quite count. Uh, We obviously serve a lot of absinthe here, and some people really partake heavily before they go upstairs. You could fire a shotgun, they're not going to know what's going on. But for those people that are interested in the spirits, interested in things that maybe are beyond our ability to see them, you will get what you're looking for somewhere after three o'clock in the night. Mm -hmm. What I usually experience sounds like stilettos walking back and forth as I'm waking up. I often feel like this pressure on my chest as if somebody was sitting on my chest. I often see a first eye, sense a depression in the bed next to me, whether I'm alone or not. And sometimes you see the depression as well. And from that point, it gets even more harrowing. So there are things that take place. We always tell people that there's not a schedule for the ghost. It's not a Disney ride. The things happen or they don't happen, whether they like you, don't like you and how they want to interact. But many things happen on all four floors here. Mm-hmm. So the safe is interesting because the safe itself is probably 550, 600 pounds. It does have wheels in the bottom that are well rusted in the last 140 odd years it can move back and forth but you if you look downstairs you will see the markings where the safe is almost dancing around Mm -hmm. and uh, in September and October we do as many as 15 tours per day so it's like one tour is there the next starts people are constantly in motion there's no time in between between the time that one guide takes her her group past the next group comes down and yet the safe has moved quite a bit Um, Once you get further in the cellar towards the back, you'll have all sorts of other experiences where it gets dramatically colder. Uh, That's where people get more opportunity. to have people touching you, brushing you, Mm -hmm. moving your hair around, something of that. Uh, Particularly like blondes and redheads. Yes. (laughs) Um, So that's just the nature of the cellar. So in the time that you two have been here, which is a while now, um, are there other cellar stories that you've experienced?
2: Um. I think one of my most memorable seller stories was uh, I was giving a 2.0 tour, which is our kind of extended tour where you actually get to communicate with the ghosts and all that on that. And um, it was just a couple and I, a smaller tour obviously, and the two of them were down there and I was by the cistern. So we have a cistern in our basement, which you learn about on our tours as well. And I was telling them the information about the cistern and some stories around it. Um, And they took a series of five photos. And in four of the five photos, the cistern was normal. But in the fourth photo of the series, um, there was a face beneath the grates in the cistern. And I thought this was odd, and we continued on, obviously. And after the tour, we showed Bob. And Bob, you probably remember that. Um, And then after that, there's no more tours for the night. So we headed down to the cistern, the two of us uh down in the basement and we were looking at it and we were he examined it no film nothing weird to make something weird happen in a photo um no explanation for that and then we head back to that back of the basement to use the divining rods Um, but as we're heading back i see these giant ripples come through the cistern as soon as he rounds the corner so i was very shaken up at this point we still proceed to the back of the basement where we use the rods. And he starts using the rods and asking if there's any spirits there, if there's any um, non-residential spirits here, and it said yes. And then he asked if if they were benevolent spirits, and it said yes. And then he asked if some of them had malicious intent, and it said yes. And I was like, Bob, I need to get out of the basement now. (laughs) So I headed back upstairs, and he actually grabbed the salt and poured it around the cistern and all that, so.
0: Yeah, what we generally say is that we have resident spirits at Shakers that have been here way before we've been here. Um, and that goes, you know, throughout prohibition. We gain more things at that point. Um, but we also have things that come through that are not resident spirits. And sometimes they are a bit malicious. And sometimes we have to find a way to, to quell them or oust them from the property. And kosher salt is one of the things that we do rely upon for that. Uh, and there can be a much more extravagant process that goes along with that sometimes as well. For the most part, though, we are successful when things do leave us, but we've had some other things take place downstairs. For example, our former lead tour guide, Kelly, and this goes back 10 or 12 years ago, vibrant redhead, large busty girl, was downstairs doing a tour. It's a Friday night, and she's got 13 people or 14 people with her, and they're down there for a few minutes, and suddenly they all run upstairs. What's going on? And uh, Kelly, who didn't drink at the time, asked for a few shots of tequila, to calm her nerves while people told us about her being downstairs, talking about the tour, and one of our entities downstairs, O'Connor, when her hair, they can see the hair being pulled to the side of her head, literally like this, and her hair and head being jerked to the side. So, Kelly had her her couple of shots, continued the tour, she's upstairs, good team player, and then it's 8.30, it's time for the next tour. The next 15 people go downstairs, and again, moments later, they're all cued around the bar all a-tither. What's going on this time? So this time, Kelly's standing a little further back against the southernmost wall, telling different stories, and people say they can see someone's hand, indentations of hands on her breast, as she's been then pushed back against the wall. So Kelly ran upstairs. Kelly ran out the door, and it took a few months before I was able to get Kelly to talk to me about what took place. In the meantime, of course, the clients all talking about their experience. And uh Kelly, the vibrant redhead, had cut her hair and dyed it black. We see her once in a while, very, very infrequently, and she refused to go downstairs. I can't say that I blame her. But that's how the story really began about redheads and blondes being more of an attraction for the resident spirit O'Connor, who's downstairs, who we have ascertained uh actually had fought for the Civil War as a Confederate soldier. So, you, as mostly a blonde, though perhaps not today. <laughs>
1: a little more colorful today. Just <laughs> a titch. Um, yeah, I think actually this necklace, for a while, I wouldn't wear it to work. Because I wore it initially because the stone itself is labradorite. And so it's one of the many protective stones you can wear, whether or not you believe in those things or not. It's more of like a mental, just kind of puts myself at ease knowing to wear it. So I'd wear it to work every now and then, especially like uh, working back bar. You have to stop at the night, so you have to go down there and spend a significant amount of time in the basement by yourself. So just a like, little peace of mind, you know. And there came a time where I had to stop wearing this necklace because if I was giving it to her and standing in that back section of the basement where Connor tends to be for the most time, or the back bar which is directly above that area, I'd be making a drink through something and all of a sudden the necklace would come unhooked and fall down my shirt. And like. I fall asleep in this thing. I, like, you can see, it's like a pretty solid latch here. Not easy to come off. Never falls off. But every time I'd wear it back there, or in that back corner of the basement, it just come unhooked, fall down my shirt. One night it happened about five times within an hour, and I was like, okay, I'm just gonna take the necklace off. <laughs> I'm just gonna get through the rest of the night, pretend that that didn't happen. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. So for a long time, I would not wear it, or like if I knew that I was going to be a tour guide that night or be at the back bar, I'd intentionally not wear this just to like like prolong that from happening again.
0: <laughs> so for those of you that might not know, we are regarded as one of the five most haunted bars in the entire country, and um, this is something that has been bestowed upon us now for ten or twelve or fifteen years or something, um, and it doesn't diminish. We've been used by a number of different paranormal companies, by uh, documentary firms, by all sorts of things that are filmed here. And there's a couple of things that take place with each and every one of those, and that involves the batteries. And it doesn't matter if it's Channel 6 or 4 filming us for Halloween, Mm -hmm. and you've got these, you know, obviously they're professional camera people and videographers that are here. We warn them ahead of time, watch out for your energy source. Not a concern, we do this every day. Oh, that's nice. So they're downstairs, they're filming something, and suddenly, They're out of battery, out Mm -hmm. of power. And to the extent that sometimes they've got to put their battery packs away, go outside, get this monstrous cable, run Mm -hmm. that downstairs, and sometimes that still doesn't work for them. So it's not unusual that even as a recording now that we go through just a ton of batteries. People that are on tours, by the way, are taking pictures or something else, and their cameras die without fail. There's always somebody who says, this is fully charged, and now it's completely Mm -hmm. dead. And coming back upstairs, sometimes that regenerates, sometimes it doesn't all sorts of energy things that take place here. So our tours, obviously, are on shutdown, as the rest of the state is. Uh, we are booking from June on. We hope to be operational before then. Let's see what happens. But we are heavily booking all five of the tours for Hangman Tours. That's hangmantours.com. So by all means, please get your reservation in, get your bridal party, whatever the case might be. Uh, it's not just the original ghost tour. It's the Tour 2.0 with the divination rods. Uh, We have this marvelous whoring 20s tour that uh, really covers the area from 1885 until 1910. And at that time, you ask what happened, Milwaukee was regarded as the finest entertainment city in the entire country. We had more brothels, we had more gin mills, we had more opium dens, we had more vice taking place than anywhere. People literally came here from Chicago, from St. Louis, from San Francisco and New York to participate in our great brothel activity, which the city endorsed. We had a mayor named David Rose, who I'm sure got a piece of the action. So oddly enough, all these brothels were all around city hall. 1910, things changed. The socialists came to power and the first order of business was to shut down the brothels. Well, brothels don't go away. It's a great revenue source. Rather than that, they came down to Walker's Point where we are at Shakers, this old warehouse district, a few blocks away from one of the port areas, and uh, had a very vibrant practice. And this location was at one point acquired by the Capone family. And they put something called the ABC Soda Bottling Company in the front of the building, in the back of the building, false walls was a speakeasy. That's they bricked over the uh, windows in the alleyway, put that lovely bar back there. And uh, they had brothels on the second and the third floor. And one of these two young ladies, we'll talk about the, uh, the brothel activity taking place. And Molly Brennan, one of our most well-regarded hospitality people. Mm -hmm. And her demise, of course. And uh, so we have the Whoring Twenties Tour, which is great for bachelorette parties. And uh, we've got the Cream City Cannibal Tour, which is world-renowned. It is the Jeffrey Dahmer Tour. There's all sorts of nuances that take place with that. Uh, Jeffrey Dahmer had come here, starting in 1991, in the middle of the afternoon, usually, or late afternoon. And he was an odd duck. He would uh, order a gin and tonic, and he would insist that uh, one of the chefs or myself would come out of the kitchen and make a cocktail. We are primarily female staffed here for 30 odd years, but he would not allow the women to make his cocktails for him. He was insistent that a man had to make his cocktail. He was not conversational. Frankly, nobody wanted to talk to him as well. He was a very odd duck, but he had these these eyes that would just bore into you, kind of like a cross between Jaws and Jurassic Park. So this dead, this dead piercing kind of look at the same time. I shall never forget that, because I was mostly the guy that had to make his silly cocktails for him. And he'd just glare at people before he'd filter off to go hunting somewhere else. And then we've got the Milwaukee Dad. Milwaukee Dad tour is interesting because a lot of people have died in Milwaukee from untoward circumstances, or even things like the Lady Elgin, but there's been a lot of death. The, uh, the first uh, bombings that took place, really mass bombings in the, in the country took place here. Uh, The first action against a uh, police department took place here as well. So Milwaukee has a rich history for the unusual things. Um, And we cover all those, both in our historic tours and our ghost tours. But today, really, we're here to focus on the ghost and the divination aspect of that as well. Divination rods, if you're not aware, are iron rods. They have the ability to uh, allow you to communicate with other spirits and other energy sources because At least in my mind how we look at at ghosts or spirits is that they are energy so uh, if you want to call them a ghost or a spirit or energy that's all cool with me things happen that we can't otherwise justify and explain and we welcome you to come and experience that so uh, back to a ghost story please Michaela. if you don't mind let's talk for a moment about uh, your experiences upstairs when you were uh, impersonating Molly
2: Yeah, so I first got my start here as a model actually on the third floor during our busy season around Halloween and I was actually impersonating Molly Brennan. She's probably one of our most famous brothel workers to ever work here as her story has been heard by many um, and is quite memorable. (laughs) Um, She was an A girl on the top floor so in order to become an A girl you had to have a sponsor or what they call the John pay your way there every month as um, compared to the B girls who just got paid per act. Um, So she had quite a nice life for a brothel worker up there, Um, but after some time she ran into some drama that quickly led to her demise. Um, And she was actually murdered up there in the penthouse and her body was burned in the fireplace. We later found those bones in 2001 on the rooftop while doing some renovations. So like I said, she's a very famous residential spirit here. Um, And I actually didn't even know her story until after I was up there impersonating her. Um, So I was up there and I wouldn't jump out or scare anyone, but I would walk past them like they simply didn't exist. I was dressed in 1920s style lingerie and robe and I had my hair all tied up in a little bob type thing. Um, looking the part of the era and um, definitely spooked some people out and they thought I was an actual ghost. But I ended up hearing a lot of stories. Um, I heard every tour guide's um, version of the story, what they had seen, what they felt, um, stuff like that. And I also sat in on many um, sessions with the Divining Rods. And Molly is a very sweet spirit and she was killed rather young, but she still lives here, obviously. And she Often seen looking out the window um, because she likes to watch the world go by because she never really got a chance to experience it if you think about it. Um, but she's the one who's probably felt in the bed with many of our people who stay overnight, as it was her residence after all. Um, her lover who led her to her misfortune and death, Patrick Harvey, is off- often present upstairs as well. Um, and he is normally sitting in a chair. And I didn't know he sat in this specific armchair often until I was literally sitting in it and my whole body went cold. And this was minutes before um, the tour guide went to describe that he's often sitting in that chair. So I was just kind of wandering about in my costume doing as I was supposed to and I sat down in that chair and I was frozen. My hair stood up on end, I felt so uncomfortable. And I slowly just got up, trying to remain in character, but then moments later I hear her start to explain that that is the chair that Patrick is often sitting in, so that was quite an interesting experience as well.
1: Yeah. Cool. Yes. So I've had my own experiences, more so on the second floor where a lot of the beat girls would have lived and also practiced their trade. But. Uh, One room in particular has come to be known by a lot of staff and a lot of guests coming through as the doctor's room. As this was a brothel, a lot of that activity included occasionally certain things that the feminine body tends to do, which is getting pregnant. Unfortunately for some of those girls, they weren't in a position to take care of another child if they already had one, or in some brothels, you couldn't even keep the child. It really depended on the madam. Now, this particular brothel, they would bring in a doctor to kind of help take care of the girls, both some of the scary diseases that they were exposed to in their line of work, uh, as well as some of those pregnancies that they may not have been able to uh, fulfill. Now, the doctor's room itself tends to get a lot of weird energy. We've had a lot of guests, um, both on the mediumship side as well as just people here on the tour that they'll just be near the room. They don't even go inside of it, but they'll be near it and they'll feel just like a different shift in the energy on that floor. Uh, me in particular, when I first started working here, I did not like going in that room. I still don't really like going in that room. Um, I have to on a rare occasion, whenever our rooftop is open, that's the way through to get to that patio space, as well as we have some inventory in that space that occasionally needs to be counted, all that good stuff. And so I had to spend a little bit more time over the, gosh, almost two years that I've been here now. And um, on many of those occasions, uh, I'll get this sensation of just kind of like a tingling. It'll start in the palm of my hand, and then it slowly travels its way up my arm. And on a few of those occasions, it's even turned into like a stabbing pain in my shoulder. Uh, I talked to one of my tourists about this one time, because they'd asked about my experiences and what I'd experienced out there. And I was telling them how like, you know, sometimes this stabbing pain, and like I'm not sure what it's from, but like it just, is very unsettling. So I usually very quickly leave the room after that. Well, one of the women on my tour once—about had to been at least a year ago now—she was talking like that she's a midwife, and one of the really common symptoms of miscarriage is a stabbing pain in your shoulder, kind of similar to more warning signs of like a heart attack and things like that. And I was just kind of floored for a second because I'm like, am I picking up on the procedures that would have taken place in there? Because in other names, that particular procedure is a forced miscarriage. So the women would have maybe had some of those symptoms. I'm not entirely sure if that's what it was. Like, there's really no way to, I guess, prove such things when you're dealing with the supernatural. You can find a lot of information and uh, like record like specific events and try to see if it's p- consistent. But it is definitely a consistent feeling that I'll get that tingling in my arm. So even yeah, like about two years since being here, and I. Do not like spending extended times in that room if I don't have to. <laughs> like I'll very quickly walk through the room. Sometimes even run, depending on the night yeah. and what the energy is. Is it is very unsettling, but it also kind of brings to home some of the things the girls would have gone through. Like yeah. while well, in the case of the A girl would have been a little bit more of a glamorous lifestyle as far as she would have had more luxury to live, a little bit more income as well. But for a lot of the girls, that's not always the case. While well, they had enough to live off of. Some of the things that they were exposed to would have definitely shortened their lifetime and made it a lot harder. Yeah. But yeah, that's one of my main experiences, that, that pain.
0: If you think about uh, things like the Boardwalk Empire, mm-hmm. and it really glamorized much of the brothel life, mm-hmm. but you have to think that, at least for the women on the second floor, they have to deal with anybody who goes up those stairs, yeah. and that could be somebody who's on the Great Lakes for six months and has one set of clothes, that's what they're wearing, they haven't had a shower for six months right. or a bath or anything else. Any so, hygiene. you know, any hygiene whatsoever, and your job is to service them. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's no privacy whatsoever on that second floor. It's mm-hmm. one next to the next, next, next. Uh, at least on the third floor, that person, in that case Molly Brennan for three years, uh, really had the run of things and had a kind of a luxe life. And she was, from our research, she was you know, interested in the arts as well, and people would bring her wine and things you typically couldn't get. And, and there's an easel upstairs, and she was had a, had a life that was... Very much uh, a step beyond what the average woman had in the 1920s and 30s. Of course, it didn't end well.
1: Right. Yes.
2: But yeah, she did have a lot more freedom in that, and she could call the shots more. She could say the client needed to shower before they saw her, stuff like that. Whereas the women on the B floor had no say in who they serviced, when they serviced them, or what they did. They were simply just told to do so. Um, They had no real say in the matter, Um, and depending on who the bouncers and the madams were, they didn't exactly help them out in that regard either, because the money did talk in that instance.
0: Yeah, well, there's uh, an iron gate on the stairway up to the second floor, and uh, it's really there not to uh, necessarily protect the girls so much as to ensure that people paid before they walked out of the place. Mm -hmm. So the house was always number one. And if you do something to interrupt the, uh, the flow of revenue for the house, and obviously consider who owned it, um, there could be some rather significant ramifications that go on. But even with our back doorway, the, uh, the prohibition entrance the back of the alleyway, um, if you picture this, if you will, it's a Friday or Saturday night, and you, you know, you're not necessarily getting along with your spouse or girlfriend or boyfriend, whatever the case might be and uh, you're looking for a little activity and you just, you need a cocktail, man. You can't stand the idiots that you work with and you need a drink. So you're here, you get the, uh, whatever the secret knock might be or the, uh, the code word for the day, you get past the big gorilla. You hope you get past the big gorilla because right. if you don't, there's all sorts of ne'er-do-wells hanging right. out back there in the dark, waiting for you to get refused. Right. So they can just beat the bejeebers out of you, take your money and maybe take your life as well. So once you walk inside, You've got the other young ladies that are showcasing their wares in that little area above the vestibule, so it's not just the gin you're going to get, but it's the other activity. And of course, men, especially being what men are, hmm.
1: Especially well intoxicated. Well, there you are. <laughs>
0: Opportunity knocks. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, in these days of the uh, the pandemic, we kind of have obviously this virtual approach to things, but. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if in the very near future Shakers doesn't have a bit of a renaissance with a speakeasy as well. Um, it's only fitting that that's what we are. And 100
1: years later, it is the 20s again. It's the roaring 20s yet again. Fitting. Indeed. It's <laughs> a beautiful tribute to the building as well.
0: So, if you had to say that there was one particular ghost experience or paranormal experience or otherwise unusual experience, what would it be for you here?
1: Probably the one that scared me the most because, like, I've had quite a few experiences throughout my life of different things being seen, being touched, being pushed. And the one that really freaked me out here that I had to kind of calm myself back down and, like, rationalize, or at least try to rationalize, was um, as you mentioned, a lot of both employees and guests tried to stay the night up in our haunted penthouse. And it is a smaller percentage of the people that make it through the night without seeing anything or running out themselves. And in my case, this was maybe three weeks into working here. And you had mentioned like, oh, if you'd like to stay upstairs, you're welcome. And I was like, it's a haunted building. Of course I'd love to. That sounds amazing. I wanna see what happens. And it was a normal night. I had been on a training shift or like a, I think it was like one of my first shifts, kind of maybe right off training. It was the weekend of Halloween. I remember that it was just like a few days after, so like November first, November second, and of course, I'm like yeah, we stay the night. Uh, my partner was in town that weekend as well, and we both love the supernatural. So when I told him that, like, hey, we can stay the night, he's like, yes, let's do it. So he stayed with me, and we took some water out there, took a wine bottle out there, just like hanging out, like listening to music. I put on like a lot of jazz, something that may have maybe the girls would have listened to if some like the band was playing or if they'd brought musicians up there, you know, and just kind of, like, imitate that energy. And it was really calm for a long time. It was very lovely. It felt warm and inviting. And then somewhere after four in the morning, it started to get less so inviting. It was starting to feel like someone was watching us. And, like, you know that feeling, like, like someone's looking at you and you look and there's, like, no one there, <laughs> especially in this building, you get that? Yeah. And that was starting to happen a lot. I'm like, okay, so something's definitely here with us, but... It's going to continue through the night, we're just talking, listening to music, and then it started to get, like, really invasive. Like, whatever was there was, like, piercing into my soul. Like, I felt uncomfortable, I felt cold, I felt sick to my stomach. I ran out of the room to, like, go throw up, and then by the time I got to the hallway where the bathroom was, I felt completely fine. So I went back to the other room. We're sitting, um, just in, like, the lounge next to the bedroom area, and somewhere it had to be closer to five in the morning at this point i finally look up from the couch and when you look up i'm directly across from where the mantelpiece is and that fireplace up there and in the mirror the mantelpiece there there's a shadow looking directly back at me sunken in eyes tall figure takes up the whole mirror it looks almost like he's made of smoke he's really shadowy like like he looked fluid in a way like not the monochromatic same, kind of thing kinda, or, yeah okay. but like but it made of smoke, which is different from some of the other shadow figures that I've seen and other people have seen, where it's more of kind of like a silhouette or like a transparent shadow. Like He was solid. And uh, my face went white. My partner looked at me and like, are you okay? And when he looked up at the mirror, all he saw was something move. He didn't see a in distinct shape, he just saw movement. And I was like, as much as this has been great, I think that's our cue to leave. <laughs> so we very quickly locked up, put the key where it needs to go, and made our way home, about a 15 minute <laughs> drive kind of meditated for a minute to cleanse my mind before going to bed because I didn't want any weird dreams to kind of seep in from all of that. Uh, Since that, which was about two years ago now, or I guess a year and a half ago now, um, I've seen that figure three other times. Once head on and twice out of the corner of my eye. I've also talked to some of the mediums that have come through here and a couple of the other guides who have also seen him. Uh, Even a guest who has come back on multiple tours and has a photo of that exact shadow figure on her phone that she showed me and i was just like that's that's the face that i saw i don't know what it is but in that moment i didn't want to find out
0: <laughs> that's cool so we firmly encourage people to uh to take pictures on the tours and if they have any experience as well to give us a you know short paragraph of what took place but if you do that and if you post that on either ghost tales or ghost bar uh, that's good for a, you know one of our gourmet pizzas, which are quite delicious, by the way. Very good. <laughs> so we, uh, we encourage everybody that comes to uh, to really get into this. And it's interesting because of the 10,000-plus people that we see every year, though obviously not this year, um, that come through, we have a vast number that actually have something. And, it's, and we're not talking about like little dust particle-type things. We're talking about actual images, uh, many experiences of being touched, of something else, mm-hmm. people, or something whispering in their ear uh, conversations taking place that aren't there, music that's not on I'm sure you, we've all closed at different times here and uh, the music is off and yet at some point you hear the music playing and sometimes you come in the next morning and the music is still playing and it's the same song over and over And the way we have our, our iPad set up, it doesn't do that, it doesn't repeat, right. and yet it's just, it's there, it's like it's stuck in a loop at some point, and we just mm-hmm. get the same thing over and over. It's, it's really, it's eerie, it's harrowing. Uh, we've had a number of people over the years that have just run out of here and never come back. And I myself had had two experiences where I too ran like a schoolgirl. girl. <laughs> so it, um, it can be something sometimes, no matter how comfortable you think you are, there's always something just a little bit different about being here which just enhances everything. and you know, Obviously, I talked about the absinthe before. We encourage people to have absinthe because it really, in, in my perspective, it opens up your mind to different things and allows you to experience, participate, and kind of get into it. So I'm, I'm really thrilled that both of you took the time out today to come here and talk about yeah. these things, and we look forward to getting you, our clients, to come back and experience again, again, hangmantours.com, and uh, set up your reservations or call us here and uh, we really want you to experience just the, the beauty of this part of Milwaukee. So if I hadn't mentioned before, we are built over one of the three original cemeteries in the state of Wisconsin, and that has its own activity taking place. But everybody who's worked here for any period of time has got lush stories. So please come and, and talk to us. Ask us about them.
2: Yes. Yeah, Anything so you want to say stories. to finish? I think you covered it pretty good. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. I think One last note would be that um, despite some of the spookier occurrences, I know um, our resident spirits are very sweet and loving Mm -hmm. too. And they actually are protective over the staff here. So if something does come in that is a bit more um, malicious or uninviting, um, they tend to help us out in ridding that, which is kind of a comforting feeling as well.
0: Good point. Well, ladies, cheers. cheers.